My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. Jacob and I are going to break down the entire UFC Nashville fight card. We're going to give you our picks, our predictions, our bets, and our DraftKings plays. And we've had quite a little streak going on here. We did well at UFC 291. Jacob did phenomenally well. His lock of the week hit. The safety parlay hit yet again. That is three weeks in a row. It is hitting at a 69% clip. And just in the last three weeks, the last three events, if the only thing you ever did was touch the safety parlay, you'd have net 2.2 units of profit. We also have, and this goes by the wayside quite a bit, we also have the best DraftKings ownership projections in the game. And I know this probably isn't the audience for that. A lot of you probably don't play DraftKings, or if you do, you're not doing the large field tournaments. But just a reminder, our DraftKings ownership projections are included with that $10 membership, and they are literally the best in the game. DFS Army... Roto Grinders, these massive companies that charge... They don't know shit. Charge $100 or more. Check to see if we're lagging because you just lagged. Your audio from your video did not sync up. Um, well, I we were supposed to test that beforehand. I have to switch cameras now if it's laggy. It's definitely a good half a second behind. Anyway, those big-ass companies, those big-ass companies charging $100 for their content, it's the same shit we have except more. $10 a month, you're going to get everything... But we're not the only ones who did well this weekend. The rest of the premium member community did as well. I was tagged in, tweeted at, DM'd, and sent over $53,000 in winning tickets from premium members alone. I will only ever show premium member tickets on here. And we have that whole channel in the Discord dedicated to winning tickets from premium members. You guys have absolutely been killing it. You've absolutely been killing it. We have the sharpest community in the game. Period, end of story. And what I love about a lot of these winning tickets is you listen to the insight, then you go use our tools. You use the data, you use the insight, and you may end up on the other side of a pick, but you got there using the information, using the tools, using the line movement tracker, using the detailed data, metrics, and analytics. This is a uh, teach a man the fish type environment. Yes, you're going to get our bets. Yes, you're going to get our picks. You're going to get our fantasy plays, but you're also going to get the tools, the information, and everything else so that you can find your spots as well. We want picks.com. It's only $10 a month. I am literally creating a world where nobody can sell anything because I'm selling all of this for only $10 a month. It's $10, not because it's lesser than, it's $10 because I'm creating the greatest value in this space. It has a DraftKings optimizer, the detailed data, metrics and analytics, the line movement tracker, and everything else, including that $10. Say something so we can see if you're synced up. Much Pretty God I am. We're good. You are. I don't know why my, that was my new camera. It worked fine last week, but now it just, uh, who knows knows what it is, but who knows if you would show up on time, we would have caught that beforehand, but Mr. Unprofessional. Nope. I was on time. Guys, let me send you 50 bucks. Speaking of on time, you will get the $50 in a couple of days. Just go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Use our link. That is the most important part about this process. Use our link to sign up with any one of our sports book partners, Make a deposit, and we send you 50 bucks as a thank you. It's affiliate marketing. They're going to pay us. I'm going to go snip, snap, cut off some of that money. I'm going to send it right back to you. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up. Make a deposit. We send you 50 bucks as a thank you. And speaking of sending free money, we owe Andre B. $100. Andre, I sent you an email. We posted this. We did all the things. I haven't heard back. I owe you 100 bucks, pal. Anybody who doesn't know what's going on here... We have a very free, for a premium member, not you hate us, you love us, anybody 
Just go to wewantpicks.com slash vote. I think it's slash vote. Yeah, slash vote. And pick your card. Vote for all your picks. Pick your card. And if you get it correct, you pick a perfect card. We send you $100. There are no precursors to that. Just build it out. Click submit. And if you're right, we send you $100. Andre B, we've been doing this for like eight, nine months. Uh, you should chew more fucking shit. Do you have nails? Do you have nails? Andre is the first person to ever get this in eight months. We've had some close calls. Andre actually did it. We owe you a hundred bucks, bud. Reach out, reply to my email. Or anybody else, we want picks.com. Just click vote, big ass. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate the adjustment there. Um, and that's it. We have a couple of super chats and then we'll get the breakdown going. Quint, $2. He said, good evening, boys. Great lock of the week, Jacob. It was a very good lock of the week, and it was very clear to me that uh, Poetan dominated, but you never know with those takedowns what, what the hell you, those judges were going to do. That night, and even on your vlog, you said, I think Jan won. I think Jan won. I think, uh, meaning, I think the judges were going to give it to him because of the takedowns. It was clear that Poetan was winning The whole time, everything you were, like, other rooting against me during, while we were what sitting What are you there. talking about? I was, you were I, literally I, like, Jan's winning. Yeah, you're right. Jan's I was winning. rooting against you. You're right. My raw, <laughs> That's literally my raw, what was happening. Okay. My reaction to the fucking fight is on camera. Did I look like I was rooting against you, or did I look fucking pumped? Yeah, you were like, uh, I think Jan got this. Everybody's it was hanging Alex, out, you were having like, drinks. Oh. Jacob's tucked in like a lady. Fuck you. Joe Tadoro, $5 super chat. What's up, everyone? Happy birthday, Quint. If you haven't become a premium member, what are you waiting on? WWP is legitimately the best of the best. Nobody gets close. Thank you, Joe. Snap me out of this fucking mood, chewing shit in my ear, showing up the camera's not working, accusing me of things I didn't do. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. I was worried the judges were gonna were gonna do that or take it away because takedowns, you never know. Well, I did worried. think that I was almost positive the judges were going to give it to him because of the takedowns, and it was, you know, not Vegas. But still Vegas judges. It's not how judging works. Well, you ready to break one this of those down? Judges was, I mean, I think two or three. I think all three of them were literally Vegas judges. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. one of them, maybe two, all three. First up at UFC Nashville, we have Oday Osborne taking on UFC newcomer. Asu Almabayev. Asu Almabayev is 17 and 2 overall. He is riding a 13 fight win streak into his UFC debut. He's taking on Oday Osborne, 12 and 5 overall. 3 and 2 in his last five. He's coming off that split decision win over Charles Johnson. This is going to be an interesting fight. And we have our first flip of the card. You see Oday open as a medium sized favorite, and he's a full blown underdog. He's a bigger underdog than he was when he was the favorite. Ode's a southpaw striker. He uses range pretty well. He keeps people at the end of his punches. He does have a ton of power. He's got great finishing ability, especially at this weight class of 125 pounds. He has five wins in the UFC with takedowns in three of them. So he does mix things up. He does work those in. And he used those takedowns to sneak out a close win over Charles Johnson. He's taking on the UFC newcomer Asu Almabayev. This guy's a flashy striker, and then he just transitions right into a dominant grappler. He can control that striking range, and then he can even work in some spinning attacks before shooting big takedowns. He'll control on top. He doesn't really look for submissions, but he does a really nice job grabbing them in scrambles. He's strong, sets a pace has cardio. Oday is actually a very good fighter. He beat Charles Johnson. Did you have, wasn't he your underdog? Was he your lock of the week then or you picked him or something like that? 
think that I was Durden. Yeah, you might have. And you Durden picked was Durden my lock of the week versus Charles. Yeah, so a couple people beating Charles on this card. But anyway, O'Day's very good. Even if you go back to that fight where he was knocked out, I think it was Manel Cop. He was dominating that fight up until the flying knee at the last second. So he's a very, very good fighter. He's got a ton of power. He can wrestle if he wants to, but I think he's going to be completely unmatched here. Uh, the line movement makes a ton of sense to me. I get it. I have uh, a half a unit on him. I got it at minus 155 on a Sioux. I got it at minus 155. Premium members, you saw that before the line sort of took off to the minus 193 it is now. And I think he's going to control the range, then come in, big slam-style takedowns, even if Ode stands back up. Asu does an amazing job of elevating you. He will just pick you clean off the canvas and bring you back down. And there's nothing more demoralizing in a wrestling exchange than just literally not having your feet on the ground. So I think Asu wins this fight. I have that half a unit at minus 155. The line's really starting to take off here. Hopefully, if you're a premium member, you saw that before it went. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Yeah, Ode is one of those guys that I feel like every time I pick one of his fights, I never get the the pick correct. I mean, he just I, I pick for him and he, and he loses. I pick against him and he wins. And in this fight, I am going to pick against him. You mentioned you have your half unit bet. I have even more than that on Azu in this fight. And we also got him at the, the minus 150 or whatever the odds were uh, early in the week. And it's going to come down to the grappling, just the relentless nonstop grappling. And it's going to wear down Ode. But Ode's going to have a chance. I mean, he is going to have a shot in this fight because Azu will hang out on the feet. He is a decent striker. What he does a lot, which I do not want him doing in this fight, is all his spinning attacks. He loves the spinning attacks, the spinning back kick to the body, the head kicks, everything like that that is when you can get caught against a guy as explosive as Odo so I want that limited I don't want the spinning stuff stay tactical get the takedowns wear him down get the finish in the second or the third round that's how I think it's going to play out but I like Ode he is a very well-rounded fighter this is just a tough matchup because Ode can grapple he can wrestle but he can't out grapple this guy in my mind and if he even tries to and even if he is able to kind of withstand the grappling early he will slow down and this kid has shown that he will not so you know i like a zoo in, in this matchup a, a whole bunch and i just hope that he limits the the striking and all the spinning attacks and just kind of sticks to the basics and we'll see because this is going to be in front of a live crowd ufc debut hopefully the kid is ready i i'm with you i uh you know i only did that half a unit but i typically only do half unit money lines i did a full money line on rogerio de lima that was not as well as i expected that to turn out um, sorry for yelling at you. I apologize. I really, really let you have it there. Um, so we're on the same side of this pick. You know, what's funny. I have a feeling you and I are going to be on the same side of a lot of these. When you and I disagree, there's always somebody in the, they purposely pick against each other. So one of them's correct. And now when we agree, somebody will be like, I want, uh, I hate when you guys agree. I want to hear the other side. Can't make them happy. Can't make I would them say happy. that 80% of YouTube is is negative would you agree with that number are you trolling me because that's what i was saying to you yesterday that's the number you gave <laughs> yeah i think 80 percent of i didn't say you two i said the internet 80 percent of the internet is negative um eighty six hundred dollars in DraftKings for asu i think that's still solid value because he's gonna get the takedowns the control time even if he doesn't get a finish he's got even longer to rack up control points and takedown numbers do you like that eighty six hundred dollars are you afraid because he's a UFC debut? Nah, that's probably going to be one of the better values on the card, I have to imagine. I mean, he should be priced at probably $9,100. I agree with you. There's another one on this card that's just shocking, but we'll talk about that. What is that? Bit, but... Did you watch my Lock of the Week video yet? I did. Lock Very of the Week good. video is already live. 
Let me ask you something. Already live. Yeah, you did put it out early. The editing job you did, you always do a good job with all that shit. The whole, the Cleveland audio over the city overlay, you put that together or that was already like that? I put the audio. I grabbed the clips from just random like B-roll YouTube. But wow. I put it good together job. with the audio. That's MGK. You know, Machine Gun Kelly. I didn't know. You don't know who Machine Gun Kelly I is? I can hear your the car alarm going off in your beautiful upscale neighborhood. I don't know why you always just got to put me down. It's just, I love it. 1999 Super Chat from Ricky Chow. Thanks for early videos. We would love an occasional earlier prediction video for upcoming events. Ricky, thank you for the Super Chat. Here's a little, little, um, little insight. People only care about this week. Meaning, if I put out a video now of all the predictions for the next pay-per-view, full thing that I normally do, all the odds, it would get like no views at all and it would crush the algorithm. And that's a mistake a lot of people make. They're putting out random, just rushing to get stuff out there to get it out and they don't do well. We've learned that over the last few years. People only care about this coming Saturday. It's better to be right than first. Correct. I agree with you. Um, and Jacob is an editing savant. It's actually incredible what he can do. Um, okay. Weonpix.com. Become a premium member. It's only $10 a month. Link your Discord. I mentioned I got Asu Almabayev at minus 155. If your Discord was linked, you got that alert the very second that I placed that bet. And if you liked it, you grabbed it. If you don't, you put your phone down. Who cares? But if you don't have your Discord linked and you're just sort of checking every couple of days, you've already missed some of that value. Weonpix.com. Click become a member. It's freaking $10. What are we even talking about? I think there's fights every single weekend through October. Like, we don't have a break in a long long time and you're excited uh for the fight this saturday night oh 100 i would go if somebody would go with me i was trying to goad my uh brother-in-law to go with me to see nate diaz and uh well maybe somebody in the chat who lives in dallas and wants to go uh to go see nate diaz and you know i love his name strangers (laughs) and uh on saturday night angel's looking for a date jake paul there's a lot of people in here. I've seen a lot of people. I live in Prosper. I live in Frisco. I live in Dallas. Somebody said know. I'm 10 minutes from Prosper. I got to come through and there you get go. some There's of that food. Pretty sure my wife would have absolutely. There you go. Eric hey, right there Tiff. said he'd go with you. Let's, well, let's he plan lives, it out. He lives near Delar. That's nowhere near here. That's nowhere near here. Next up. At UFC Nashville, we have a snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap, a Michael Scott situation. Sean Woodson has had three opponents in 24 hours. Three opponents in 24 hours. As of right now, or as of, what was this, an hour ago? You texted this to me. (laughs) Two hours ago, maybe? As of an hour or two, this new opponent, Dennis Bazooka. It was about an hour and a half ago. Yeah. So as about an hour and a half ago, Dennis Bazooka, they officially announced he will be taking on Sean Woodson. Sean Woodson is nine and one in his career. He's three, one, and one in his last five years, coming off that draw with Luis Saldana. Dennis Bazooka, 11 and two overall, five and oh in his last five. He is riding a seven fight win streak into this very short notice UFC debut. Sean Woodson, as we know, he's got great boxing, he's got legit power, and he had that before he moved into MMA. He's very long, he knows how to play that game really well. I don't normally care about reach. Reach is one of the things that people obsess over, an inch, two inches. A three-inch reach advantage is one and a half inches on each side, right? Most of the time, it means nothing. 
But Sean Woodson does use his reach really, really well. He's obviously incredibly tall for this weight class, and he knows how to use that reach because of that professional boxing background. People are going to try to take him down, and, you know, there's not the largest sample size in the world, but the guy is an 82% takedown defense. Historically, the knock on him is that he doesn't have a ton of power, but he does have some power. We have seen some of that power, and he is coming off that draw, which was very bizarre, with Luis Saldana, where he was dropped twice, he was taken down, and he landed fewer overall strikes. He's taking on Dennis Bazooka. This guy's stepping up on what, four days notice or something like that. He's a come-forward wrestler. He's got solid striking. He definitely has some guts. He's very tough. His technique is very sound. He's got power as well, and he's got aggressive takedowns that rounds them all out. He's basically Matt Frivola, except more athletic. Very similar styles. His technique's a little more buttoned up. His wrestling seems to be a little more aggressive, but it's a very similar style. And they trained at the same gym. Somehow, this Sarah Longo gym, which didn't matter for 20 years. First of all, they had Matt Sarah, who I guess technically former UFC champion, even if it was for one fight. That gym didn't matter for 15, 20 years. And all of a sudden, boom, Aljamain Sterling. And now there's just this whole crew of guys that are going out there and doing well. Uh, Dennis did have two fights on the Contender Series. He won one, lost one. One of those losses was to Melsic Bogdasarian. If you watch interviews, he's insisting he was like sick for months heading into that fight. I really want to pick this kid. I want to pick Dennis. For the last opponent that lasted for, what, six hours, that guy, I picked that guy against Sean Woodson because that guy had wild leg kicks. That's not really how Dennis fights. I'm not a big Sean Woodson fan. He's all boxing and then takedown defense. There's not much else there. If you stay in his face, if you pressure him, if you can get past that reach, I think you can have a lot of success against Sean Woodson. Um, I think the four-day short notice, though, the official UFC call-up, I think a lot of that might be a little problematic. And if he doesn't have early success with the wrestling, he may get tired, he may get frustrated. So Sean Woodson's going to be the pick, but very low confidence pick. And the odds are surprising. I expect him to be a much bigger favorite than this. He opened at a minus 245 favorite against the last guy. And then this guy, who actually is a better matchup for him, minus 120. What do you think, Jake? Do you have time to do any research here? Uh, not as much I'd like to, but I, I do know that just in watching Sean Woodson, that he is a guy that when he fights, he's going to do really well in a fight that he is dictating the pace. He is dictating the pressure. He is, he is controlling the octagon. He is using that range. He is backing people up and he's able to just kind of box those type of people. When you get in his face, when you put him against a cage, when you, when you close the distance, when you get the takedowns, when you're doing all those things, that's when he is going to kind of wilt underneath the, the, the pressure. And Dennis seems like a guy from what I watched, I only watched one fight before the podcast started, but he seems like a guy that wants to move forward. He wants to do the wild stuff. He wants to do the flashy stuff and unfortunately I, I wish that he was just a little bit more technical because he does do the, the, the flying knees and, and, the, and the weird stuff and on the ground he's taking chances and this and that and uh, from what I've seen I, I'm going to pick him I got to do more research but um, you know he seems like he can put the pressure on Woodson and Woodson I mean like you said he got he got dropped and uh, there was a lot to be desired but that was also that was a weird fight too because that was at the uh, elevation card too so he looked slow but a lot of people looked slow that card and um, I'm going to pick Dennis right now, but I mean, that's just like based off literally 10 minutes of watching a fight. Yeah. I mean, I, I really want to pick him. If it wasn't short notice, I'd be all over him and he probably does win this fight. I debated betting and I'm like, eh, I'm, if I hop on a bet on either side, I'm just chasing something just, just cause I've convinced myself there's value. But 
If we're going only off of Sean Woodson's last fight, yeah, Dennis Bazooka is going to smoke this guy. But also, four days short notice. We, we, we just don't know. It's just too much too much uncertainty and apparently here. he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, Jacob sent me a screenshot of all his wild well, arrests. And, oh, Artem sent it to Jacob who sent it to me. Well, he put it in the, Discord. Artem put it in Discord, which Jacob then copied it from and then sent it to me. And uh, what was it? Just like all the accusations and arrests of all the horrible shit this kid has he done. Beat the shit out of some teenager, stole his wallet, like beat the little, little absolute piss out of him. Was he? He's also a New- a I mean, teenager? that's northeast for you. I mean, he's a, from New York. <laughs> so. Was he like a former drug addict and fighting saved his life, or he was just kind of a scumbag that also? <laughs> I don't know. I just fights. I just know Artem posted that thing in the whatever with the accusations and. Should say allegedly. I don't know if he actually did it or not, but that's just the headlines. Well, they're they're just pictures. Yeah, I'm gonna read it right now. They're just pictures of uh, when you Google the dude. It's not like it's anything crazy. First headline: Amateur MMA fighter accused of beating teen to a pulp, and then Bazooka was charged with three counts of robbery, one count of assault in the third degree. The next headline is: Man arrested for beating man and then stealing his wallet. Nineteen court documents show he faces four counts of robbery and assault. And then there's a whole somebody said once people called him out for attacking my disability, he made a complaint against me. What the fuck? I attack Jacob's disabilities all the time. And obesity is a disability, and you make fun of that for me all the time. I should file a complaint. Go ahead. I should. I'm not obese though. Right? I don't know. When you were walking in before the stream started, I almost said something to you about having a uh <laughs> A DC body. You look very DC like. Wow. Days. In in my defense, uh, we spent the last couple of days at the water park, just eating, floating. <laughs> so what's going to be an excuse, Absolutely Angela? floating. Uh, listen, Sean Woodson is $9,600 in DraftKings. That's locked in because that was his price for his original opponent. They don't adjust that pricing. So Dennis Bazooka might be, we don't know what he'll be. He could be anything because he may end up being the favorite before they establish his price point. But um, whatever it is, it's going to be better value than Sean Woodson, $9,600, that's for sure. It'll be interesting uh, to see what that looks like. I'm very curious to see what this line does. Literally, these odds dropped about 10 minutes before I uh, made this graphic. What price point would you grab Dennis at? What's your max? I haven't done enough research. I have no idea. I literally watched two rounds of ice fights, so. You're very composed tonight. Is because I screamed at you and I sucked the life right out of you? I'm just just here so I don't get fined. Okay. There you go. Uh, Weonpicks.com. Become a premium member as soon as we get the DraftKings pricing on Dennis. Dennis Bazooka. Pretty cool last name. You will have the full analysis of who you should have in your lineups, who you should not have in your lineups, the ownership projections, and everything else will be available to you soon as that is available to us. Weonpicks.com, $10 a month. Next up, at UFC Nashville, we have what seems to be the comment section's favorite underdog on the card, Cody Durden taking on Jake Hadley. Cody Durden, 15-4 and four overall, 4-1 and one in his last five. He is riding a three-fight win streak. He's taking on Jake Hadley, 10-1 and one overall, 4-1 and one in his last five. He's coming off the quick... KO over Malcolm Gordon. Jake Hadley is a striker. He does have some slick BJJ mixed in there as well. He's got solid boxing, good timing, then decent takedowns, and aggressive 
BJJ on the ground. Hadley's a very good fighter. He's had titles in all of the regional promotions. He is coming off that win over Malcolm Gordon where he needed just one minute to get the knockout. He's taking on Cody Durden. This guy's a heavy-handed wrestler. He averages almost six takedowns per fight. He likes to come forward, throw big looping shots, and then try to get those takedowns. He'll chain wrestle. He'll continue to dive at legs until he gets it to the ground. And while his wrestling can be nonstop, He's pretty loose on top. He has kind of trash control, which is how he has so many freaking takedowns in a fight. He had 11 takedowns against Charles Johnson. We know Charles Johnson's got a good get-up game, but you should not be getting 11 takedowns in a fight. And this is a tough fight to pick. Uh, these odds are shocking to me, and they're continuing to widen, which I'm very surprised at because Jake Hadley had a 2-1 to favorite. Well, I agree he's the better overall fighter. He's going to be the better striker. Probably the better BJJ. He'll be the better, more well-rounded fighter. But Cody's just going to come forward and wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. And anytime he can get those takedowns going and get the wrestling going, he does really well. And Jake Hadley has been taken down five times in four fights, and he's given up a total of 12 minutes of control time. That is how you beat Jake Hadley. I think the nonstop wrestling pace is going to definitely uh, get a big upset here. This line's continuing the move. I'm going to keep monitoring it. I'm going to use our own line movement tracker. If this starts to come back down, then I'll throw a little something on Cody Durden. If it keeps creeping up, I'm going to wait till it peaks because I think Cody's wrestling could absolutely get this done 100%. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that that Jake Hadley is the better overall fighter in this matchup. He's a more technical striker. He's a little bit more dangerous on the ground, in the grappling. But in the striking, he does get hit. And I think one of the most underrated portions of, of Cody's game is his power. I mean, that guy will kind of lower the head, throw the overhand right, and he does land with pretty good accuracy. And if he lands, he can knock out Jake Hadley. I also think that he, he's definitely going to take Jake Hadley down because, as you mentioned, Jake Hadley can be taken down. You mentioned the Charles Johnson. I have him getting up. I mean, Charles Johnson was doing that against Mikhaev as well. So I think that's a little bit of a, an outlier there. I think Cody Durden has a little bit more... Um, control than you give him credit for and I'm done doubting Cody Durden I mean I said that before the last time he fought I, I turned him I was a, I was a Cody Durden hater he proved me wrong even on Twitter he literally before one of his fights he came on Twitter and said Jacob I am going to prove you wrong and that's exactly what he did so I made him my lock of the week versus Charles Johnson I said okay he said he's gonna prove me wrong he did so I'm gonna back him again that's exactly what he did so coming in this fight and until he shows that he can, just cannot outwork somebody I am going to continue to pick Cody Durden because Jake Hadley is a guy that you can't outwork. He's got to be on his P's and Q's, especially early with the submissions of Jake Hadley because Jake Hadley is very, very good on the ground. But he will play that offense back in that guard game, and, and Cody will play that all day. Maybe he gets caught in a submission. You know, I have a money line bet on Cody. I also hedged it with submission bets for Jake. I mean, I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot there in the first couple rounds. So uh, my pick is Cody, but I fully understand the threat of Jake on the ground. But I think Cody can obviously get these takedowns, get the control, stay safe, and uh, squeak out this decision. Once it gets to the third round, I think they're going to be a little too tired for a submission. So if he's up, you know, two rounds, I think he's going to I think he's gonna pull this out. So Cody's my pick. Yeah, I think uh, it, we are on the same side of a lot of these. That's a big underdog for two people to agree on. Big underdog. Cody, too? Two yeah, well, I just said it. All right. Yeah. I mean, I went through a whole thing. All of it. Anyway, uh, so Jakey Boy and I are on the same side. $7,400 in drafting is going to make a lot of sense, especially if there's some takedowns, some control time, all of that. Line movement, like I said, I'm going to keep watching it. Are you are you willing to bet on Cody Durden or not yet? 
Did you listen to what I said, Angelo? Because I said I have a bet on him. I did, I did not. Big. I guess you called me out. No, because some fucking Quackenbush said some shit, and I was trying to find him on YouTube. Just kick this turd. Can you kick him? Well, he said, all right, no more hate. Good luck with your future bets. He called us a fraud for no reason. Over here, giving out free videos. $5 super chat from Christopher Rios. Christopher says, been watching for months, became a premium member today. Let's go. Appreciate you, Christopher. Good luck. If you need help poking around, there's that video dedicated to just walking to 20 minutes, I think, walking through everything that's available to you. I'm definitely going to have Cody Dern in my lineup at $7,400. These are the exact types of underdogs that score well in DraftKings because even if he loses, I don't think he's just going to get smoked instantly. Um, I will say the problem is the uh, personality is a little rough. Big sunglasses, all the crap he keeps wearing. He's he's really leaning into this. I'm going to try to be a heel. I'm going to try to be, what's his name? Um, who's that welterweight heel? Cody Dernan's going that direction. Oh. Fucking uh, fighting for a title. Or maybe fighting for a title. God damn, who is it? Can't read your mind. Somebody help me out here. Kobe Covington, thank you, Fight Talk Only. You're officially back on my good side. Guys, premium membership's only $10 a month. We just got the super chat. Well, I guess he didn't vouch for it yet because he hasn't used it yet, but join Chris Rios. Become a premium member today. Next up, at UFC Nashville, we have Jeremiah Wells taking on Carlston Harris. Jeremiah Wells, 12-2 overall. 5-0 in his last five. He's coming off that split decision win over Matt Semmelsberger where he was dropped twice, but he still gutted it out and got himself six takedowns. He's taking on Carlson Harris, 18-5 overall, 4-1 in his last five. He's coming off that control-heavy win over Jared Gooden. Jeremiah Wells, he's still undefeated in the UFC, not in his career, but in the UFC, he's still undefeated. He's got three stoppage wins. Well-rounded guy. He showcases striking with knockouts over Court McGee and Warley Alves. He had grappling showcase with takedown submission over Blood Diamond and then that wrestling clinic over Matt Semmelsberg. So he's pretty good everywhere, including jujitsu. This guy is a high-level BJJ black belt, pretty accomplished guy. He throws wild, looks to get takedowns, and then wants to work his jujitsu. He's taking on Carlston Harris. This guy's a well-rounded guy, pretty wild striking, but he does have some power in there as well. He's a very slick, opportunistic grappler. So he's not as methodical as Jeremiah Wells is, but he will catch you in a scramble. He'll look to scoop something up. He's going to grab some standing darses, head and arm chokes, things like that. His wrestling is also solid. He doesn't really have traditional takedowns, but he'll clinch you up. He'll drag you. He'll pull you over his knee and get you to the ground. These guys are very similar. This is like the same guy. They're basically the same age. They have the same power in their hands, the same... Jiu-jitsu skills, the same wrestling. They're basically the same guy. I would say Carlson Harris has probably got the edge in striking, a little faster, a little sharper. Jeremiah's got the edge in grappling, better wrestling, real takedowns, not just trips. I'm going to lean that way. Jeremiah showed us how freaking tough he is getting dropped twice by Matt Semmelsberger. Wind doesn't hold up quite as well as it did, but still, that guy's got huge, huge power. So I think Jeremiah's going to, withstand whatever happens on the feet, get some takedowns going, and uh, get the takedown. I mean, he is 37 years old. His chin is a mess, and Charles is dangerous. So no bet here whatsoever, but I do think Jeremiah is going to get it done. What do you think, Jakey boy? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioning that they are the basically the same person is, is exactly right. I, I, I will say, I mean, both these guys are, are grapplers that think that they're strikers. I mean, they both come in there and they both try to knock their opponents out. Carlston, I, I disagree when you say he's the better striker. I mean, he is just so loopy with his strikes, and, and there's no real speed behind him either that I see. Jeremiah is definitely the more explosive guy. He definitely can get from, from A to B with his punches a lot faster. He probably is the better grappler. I think Carlston's probably the better wrestler, but I'm biased in this. I mean, don't listen to me in this breakdown. Everyone knows that the Henzo Gracie Philly team is complete frauds in my mind. So I am picking Carlson Harris because I, I've seen Jeremiah getting dropped in his last fights. He will take chances. He will put himself out there. Carlson can hit hard if he hits people. I think he's got the wrestling advantage, but he doesn't have the grappling advantage. But, I mean, this is just a complete bias pick. I understand that these guys are evenly matched. Jeremiah probably is the better grappler. It could come down to the grappling, but I'm picking Carlston here just because I can never pick the Henzo Gracie Philly team ever again. Yeah, you uh, you definitely are not a huge fan of that team. All, and, and you went from your favorite fighter of all, of all time or second favorite behind, uh, who's your favorite? Old guy. True OG. What? From Albuquerque. Your favorite fighter of all time. My brain is not firing at all. Simple. Ryan Hall? No, Cub Swanson. Cub's your favorite. Cub's not your favorite fighter of all time. He's like an OG fighter, I guess. But yeah. Well, anyway, you went from. Hey, my point was your second favorite fighter or whatever was Pat Sabatini for a while, and then he, sh- he showed up with no hands. And you're like, I'm done with this gym. I'm done with all of them. They beat Bilal Muhammad. Like, There's just no improvements for many of them. Not in the striking, at least. Obviously, they're grappling. They're all good grapplers. Yeah. And honestly, going into this card, I, and I, I've said it for a long time that I, I could not wait to fade. When Jeremiah ended up winning that fight for semi, semi, I could not. I was so excited that he won because I knew that I was going to fade him in his next fight. I didn't care who he fought. But <laughs> this is a, I mean, this is a good matchup for Jeremiah. If, if I'm putting my bias aside, I mean, this is a good matchup for Jeremiah because he should have the grappling advantage and he can match him in the power too. I just, just worry about his chin. So I'm going with Carlson though. I mean, Carlson was giving me my lock of the week. Why like, didn't you? Because then you saw Kamer and you're like, I gotta go Kamer here. Oh. Was that a spoiler? You put the video up. Hmm. Well, people watch it. <laughs> the, video, the videos? What are you talking about? The I videos? Mean, there's probably up. people in here that haven't watched the video that would have got real All right. Excited. I didn't realize it was a spoiler when it, you already put it out there. Jeez. Boy, I'm just, I'm just missing all day. You're going to spend the 85? Well, no, you're on the Harris. We got bias. It's probably a tough question for you to answer. You going to touch DraftKings in this with your bias or no? I might think about putting Jeremiah in, honestly. I think yeah, it's a piece of value. Because I, what I do like about him is he will wrestle. Where Carlson Harris will, will get caught up in a striking match for no reason, where Jeremiah won't. He'll bomb, and then he's like, yeah, I'm going to start wrestling here. So. No, he won't. He'll just continue to bomb. The only reason he started wrestling versus Semi is because he was on his knees about to die because he got dropped. That guy just wants to, and the only reason he was wrestling Blood Diamond is because he fucking just tripped and fell down. Blood Diamond grabbed him. That guy just wants to throw bombs. That's why he's. That's why I can't stand. I him. think he. I I like him because he throws bombs early, and if he connects, great. If he doesn't, then he'll transition. He basically like it's like their game plan is one round. I'll give you one round to see what your hands can do. After that, you need to start wrestling. Well, anyway, I agree with you though. Eighty five hundred dollars is probably solid value in DraftKings. Couple of takedowns, a little bit of control time, and all of a sudden he scored more than 85 points, which is what you want to get out of that price point. We on picks.com become a premium member, unlock everything you could ever imagine, 
including the line movement tracker, the DraftKings optimizer, detailed data metrics, analytics, and everything else. And remember, too, Carlson, Shavkat tried to take Carlson down and couldn't take him down. He does have good, uh, where is it? 75% takedown defense is solid. Jeremiah's is at 100, but I didn't even mention that in the breakdown because that's it's like two people tried and it was a half-ass attempt. Uh, $2 super chat from Joe Todoro. Joe says, Jacob, choose your words wisely. Joe feels very protective over that gym for some reason. Aren't they like super far from where you live too? Jersey's a big-ass state. Oh, we got Tannis. Welcome, Tannis. Well, they're not even in the. They're not even in New Jersey. I know, but like lots of Jersey people consider Philly, like South Jersey and Philly are very close. It's a whole thing. Like Atlantic City is a lot of Philadelphia people. A lot of Philadelphia people. Next up, at UFC Nashville, we have Kyler Phillips taking on Hani Barcelos. Kyler Phillips, ten and two overall, two and three in his last five. He's coming off that knockout. Wait, what the fuck? 10-2 overall, 4-1 and one in his last five. He's coming back after more than a year away. He's taking on Honey Barcelos, 17-4 overall, 2-3 in his last five. He's coming off that knockout loss to Umar Nurmagomedov. And this is an interesting fight, and I was wrong. on All the bragging I did about getting a sue at minus 155, that's all undone here because I did not get value on this line. But we'll talk about that. Hani Barcelos, yes, he's two and three in his last five, but this dude is unbelievable. He's an unbelievable fighter. And maybe I just like him too much and I'm too biased towards him, but he's an unbelievable fighter. Five-time national Brazilian champion, incredibly good BJJ, very good slick technical striking. Yes, there's two losses that everybody's going to talk about. One, he was just knocked out by Umar Namangredov. He was. He looked good, and then he was knocked out. For all we know, Umar's the champ. Right, So that one to me isn't that bad. I wish it was a little longer ago, not so recent. But the second one is, oh, this guy lost to, uh, who's that dork he lost to with the hair? He just had like a bad night. I don't know why you're asking me to just I, read geez, you're usually know. You're usually so sharp with this shit. Who's that kid that he lost to and then that kid went and lost to the 50-year-old? Son of a bitch. I rely on you in these moments when my brain's not firing, yours usually is, and then you have the answer for me, and it's not like a whole thing like it is right now. Hold on, I'll get there. Victor Henry, thank you very much, chat. Neon. So my point is, everybody's gonna say, oh, this guy lost to Victor Henry, you can't pick him. He had an off night. Because if you look at the rest of his body of work, and even the fight immediately after the Victor Henry fight, he looked absolutely phenomenal. That fight after the Victor Henry fight was absolutely unbelievable. He destroyed that dude. And that's the honey that I trust. That's the guy I believe in. That Team Revalia fight, he looked incredible in that fight too. A lot of people think that was a robbery. So Hani Barcelos, five-time Brazilian national champion wrestler, very good technical striking, very good BJJ. He's taking on Kyler Phillips. Kyler Phillips... At one point in time, wasn't his brother messaging us? Was it? It was Kyler Phillips, right? His brother was messaging me. You, yes. Training videos and stuff in the garage and all that stuff because I made him my lock of the week and stuff. And Kyler Phillips is a, so fun to watch. This guy's a diverse striker. He's going to come forward really well-rounded. He can grapple. He can strike. His feet are always moving. He's never sitting still. Just nonstop pace. He'll slug it out. He'll try to get things going on the ground. 
Ton of fun to watch. He has three performance of the night bonuses, including his only UFC loss, which was to Rulian Paeva, where if you look at the stats, he won that fight. He had more strikes, more takedowns. The problem was he was taken down at like the worst possible time. The worst possible time he'd be taken down and assuade the judges. But he is coming back after a few small injuries and a USADA suspension. Hani's the pick. I get it. Kyler Phillips is fast. He's aggressive. He's all the things. But I think Hani Barcelos is, is five times the fighter that Kyler Phillips is. And that's not an insult to Kyler Phillips. I think Hani Barcelos is phenomenal. I don't know what Kyler Phillips does that's better than Hani Barcelos. Other than Hani's old. His chin is... If not gone, it's going to be gone soon. So Hani's going to be the pick here. If he wants to get a wrestling pace going, he'll have no problem. If Julian Paeva was taking down Kyler Phillips, Hani Barcelos would do that without issue. And I actually like, I hate that he's coming off a knockout because I can't trust his chin. I like that he's coming off a knockout because he may just go full, I'm wrestling. I'm just going to wrestle. I'm done with this crap. I'm going to wrestle. And if that's the Hani we get, then it should be a dominant win. I have a half a unit at plus 143. You're going to get much, much, much better value than that. I, I may double down later in the week at weigh-ins or something like that because this is just surprising to me. What do you think? Yeah, I, I actually, like I said, I mean, you kind of alluded to it as well, but I, Kyler is a, I'm a big fan of Kyler's, and I, I think he is a very, very good fighter. And I don't, I don't think he's ever, in my mind, he is the kind of the, and I mentioned my breakdown video, like a, like a Michael Chandler of this division to where everyone talks about first-round Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler's never lost a first-round. Kyler Phillips, I don't know if he's ever going to lose a first-round because that guy is just so fast and so dynamic in his striking and in and out, and he can mix in a takedown or two. He's a very, very good fighter. And I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to win the first round of this fight with his dynamic style as Hani's trying to march him down and find the timing. It's going to be a Kyler Phillips first round, maybe a, a finish because he, he does have some power in it as well. The issue with Kyler Phillips, and the, only th and the thing that always is going to let him down unless he cleans it up, and the reason why it lets him down is because he is so aggressive and with the big spinning stuff in the first rounds is his cardio. And if that starts to fail him, he definitely can lose this fight. But, you know, the thing that he does in fights to try to hide his cardio is with the wrestling. And if he starts, to, the big tale for me in this fight, and there could be a, a live bet situation in my mind, I mentioned my quick pick video, is this. Kyler, in my mind, is going to win the first round. He's already at minus 200 odds. If he wins the first round, going into the second round, those odds are probably going to be minus 300, minus 350. Pay attention to the first time that Kyler is shooting in the second round. If it's in the first two minutes, that means he is tired. And if he does not get that takedown, I would start hammering live bets for Hani because that means Kyler is tired and he will start fading. When Kyler starts fading, he tries to wrestle even more. And if Hani can withstand those takedowns, he can definitely pull off this victory. Kyler wants to wrestle and get on top to rest. He, he, he will do it to kind of steal rounds too, but he wants to rest. That's when he starts to wrestling. He's a good striker, wants to be dynamic with it. So that is kind of the tale I would look for. But I like Kyler in this fight. Uh, I think he wins the first round, wins the second round, and uh, if he doesn't find a finish, it, it is what it is. He just banked two rounds. I don't think Hani's going to finish this guy. So Kyler's my pick. I agree the odds are a little bit wide, and that's what I would watch in the uh, second round. You live streaming this with your new computer and everything? I believe so. People might people might see you do that value right there. Watch it happen live. There the um, the uh, line movement is surprising to me. I get he opened as a favorite. I get he's young. Honey's coming off a bad knockout. He's old. But I'm surprised people were like, ooh, minus 200. I'll take that. And then the line moved even more. Like, I mean, that's he's very, very, he's very good. I mean, he's very good. I, I agree, but... 
Do, do you agree when I said that Hani Barcelos is the better fighter between the two of them? Age aside, no, obviously. No, I don't agree with that. I think they're very... You think Kyler's a better close. fighter? He's a very good fighter. He's very good. Oh, man. Um, he's so well-rounded. Well, I mean, he's got very, very good striking, in and out. Doesn't really get hit. Can wrestle. Very good. I guess I'm a hypocrite because for all... I just said people say... Well, they both lost to Victor Henry, but people only care that Hani lost to Victor Henry. And... Um, I'm like, who cares? He just had a bad night. But then all I see in my head is Kyler Phillips getting taken down by Julian Paeva. That same dude that Sean O'Malley just lit up. But I guess one fight can't define a person's career, Jacob. $9,000 for Kyler Phillips. $7,200 for Honey Barcelos. Honey's going to be another big-time underdog in my lineup. $7,200. Hopefully he gets some wrestling going, pulls out a win. And uh, makes me a couple of DraftKings bucks and then some real money with my half a unit bet. I, plus 143 looks real stupid right now with this line sitting at 187. WeWantPicks.com. If you don't know what DraftKings Fantasy is and you see these numbers on the screen and all the videos I do and stuff like that, we have a full course. The course walks you through what DraftKings Fantasy is, how to do it, what your bankroll should look like. It walks through all of that. Go to WeWantPicks.com. Click Become a Member. It's $10 a month. It's tools, it's insight, it's information, it's copy-paste stuff if you want to do that, but I recommend you use the tools, the insight, and the information. Become a premium member today. We have a $2 super chat from Tony. says, Jacob, was it not tight enough? LOL, cheer up, brother. I did this. This is my fault. I yelled at Jacob early and just sent him, sent him down. That's my fault. This is the rest of the stream, guys. If you're looking for laughs, this isn't the one. I would tune out now. This is not the stream. Next up at UFC Nashville, we have Billy Quarantillo taking on Damon Jackson. Billy Quarantillo, 17-5 and five overall, 2-3 and three in his last five. He is alternating wins and losses. He's taking on Damon Jackson, 22-5 and five overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, coming off that loss to Danny Gay. Listen, I'm not going to spend a ton of time doing the individual fighter thing. This is a really tough pick. And the line hasn't moved at all, which is surprising to me, but... Billy Quarantillo, guy's a good grappler, solid striking, incredible aggression. Striking's not super technical, but his offense is effective. He's landing almost eight significant strikes per minute. That's an astronomical number. He's going to come forward, throw like crazy, try to wrestle. He's taking on Damon Jackson. Damon Jackson's going to come forward, not throw like crazy. He's just going to start wrestling. He's an aggressive wrestler. He has really good control when he gets you to the ground. Solid grappling. He did knock out Pat Sabatini, but I would not call Damon Jackson a big power striker. This is a really, really tough pick. This is an insanely close fight because my gut reaction is like, oh, Billy's going to win. Damon's not very good, but that's not true. Go through Damon's fights. Look at the four-fight win streak he put together before losing to Dan Ige. That had knockouts in it and submissions. He's getting takedowns. He's out grappling people. And yes, he has looked sloppy at times, like that Dan Argueta fight. Dan took it on short notice, and that was a bit sloppy. But Damon Jackson is always grinding. He's always doing something. He's not just backing up. The only reason I am going to pick Billy Quarantillo in this fight, I have it listed as low confidence. The only reason I'm going with Billy here is because in Damon's last fight, he decided to strike. And at no point did he mix it up. At no point did he say, I should probably try to wrestle here. And he got lit up, and it was just clear that there's levels to the sport. And Dan Ige, we know how good Dan Ige is. But it just made me question, like, oh, man, what decisions is he going to make in this fight? Is he not going to come wrestle immediately? 
So Damon Jackson, I think, is a phenomenal underdog. I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Damon Jackson spoils a lot of people's nights. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Yeah, I don't think he wrestled Dan Ige because it's. I think it's probably easier to try to strike and, and knock out Dan Ige than it is to, to wrestle and out grapple him. But I agree with this fight. I mean, both these guys are, are similar, both coming off knockout losses. You would assume the the Billy Q knockout loss is a little bit worse because he got the knee and he just kind of fell flat flat on his face, but he kind of popped up pretty quickly. Where Damon with that knockout kind of stayed down a little bit longer. You know, Billy Q. If this was like a minus. 125 or minus 130. I think I load up on that, but minus 175. I'm in the same boat. You know, I, I like him in this matchup because I think he can control the pace. He can control the wrestling. He can stay safe on the ground if it goes to the ground and for whatever reason, Damon's on top. And he's a better striker. I mean, I think he's pretty much better everywhere in this matchup. But but since he got knocked out and Damon does have power and he will throw wild, um, that is a little pause for concern. Damon is a guy that wants to dictate the pace. He wants to dictate the pressure, much like Sean Woodson. If things are going his way, he's going to be looking good because he's going to be controlling the outcome. He's going to be able to get the takedowns, the control, and do what he needs to do. But you saw Dan Ige was in his face. And Damon Jackson did not like Dan Ige in his face. And Billy Q is a guy that gets in your face. I mean, he gets in your face. He stays in your face with the striking, with the wrestling. I just don't think that Damon Jackson is going to like the pressure. So I'm a little bit higher on Billy Q than you are, I think. Uh, but not enough to, to place a, a bet on him right now. Probably a live bet situation as far as like on the stream. But uh, I think Billy Q can get this done fairly easily. It could end up being a, a pretty good value um, if he shows up the way he should, but um, he's going to be my pick. Yeah, it is tricky, and um, the line hasn't moved really at all, so it will be interesting if it does move, because I think a lot of people are like, ah, Damon Jackson should lose, plus 150 is not worth it, or ah, Billy should win, minus 175 is too much. It's just sort of sitting there. It'll be interesting when we see, what day do you send, or do you see those, you, you send them to me. Those like MGM, the percentage of bets and stuff. Usually on Saturday. It'll be interesting to see. I bet this is the lowest bet fight on the card. Maybe weigh-ins will change something because I have a feeling Damon's going to look much, much bigger than Billy. And that, for some reason, does affect line movement. Billy's part of that uh, Ray Longo crew, too. So they've had a lot of success, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. it's. I've never seen a resurrection of a gym like that before. It's crazy. I've only seen the opposite. Like, I've seen... We just talked about this the other day. Jackson Wink. Jackson Wink was like the gym of all gyms. It sort of just fell off, and they haven't really built the next generation. Somehow, Longo Sarah Gym over there has just built the next generation just out of nowhere, just quietly built the next generation of fighters. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Next up, at UFC Nashville... We have Ignacio Bahamandez taking on Ludovic Klein. Ignacio Bahamandez, or as Jacob says, Bahama Mama, is 17-5 and five overall, 4-1 and one in his last five. He is riding a three-fight win streak. He's taking on Ludovic Klein. This guy's 19-4 overall, 2-2-1 two, two and one in his last five. He's coming off that draw to Jai Herbert. And this is another one with some interesting line movement. This line's actually tightening instead of widening. I assumed it would widen. But I guess I get it, right? Ludovic Klein is a very good striker. He's a very technical striker. He's smooth. He's fast. He's accurate. He does a really nice job of keeping fights technical, hiding kicks behind his jab. He's never throwing anything lazy. He's never out of position. He's got a solid 81% takedown defense. And he will look to offensively wrestle if he's losing some of those striking exchanges. He's coming off that loss or that draw, sorry, to Jai Herbert where he was cut in the middle of the first round. That really just threw off all the judging. 
He did work in two takedowns in that fight, and he was able to get some control time. He's taking on Ignacio Bahamondes. This guy is another huge guy for the division. He's 6'3 at lightweight. He's a very good striker. He's got incredible volume. Pretty good power, but it's not really like one punch, boom. It's just he's so long, so accurate, he can get you down there. He has incredible takedown defense at 95%, but his takedown offense is zero. And sometimes when you see zero on the stats, it means they never shot a takedown. He has attempted four takedowns and gotten zero of them. He's coming off that win over Trey Ogden, where he actually did look sharp. He's had solid leg kicks, and he more than doubled Trey's strikes. I'm a big Ludovic fan, I, I quite a bit, actually. He's super technical. When he's on, he looks absolutely incredible. He can be a problem for anybody. But this is a super tough fight. Ignacio is massive. He uses his length well. He can snatch up submissions from anywhere. Um, I, I think these odds are appropriate. I'm surprised they're tightening instead of widening. And I think Ignacio Bahamandes gets this done. And that's not a slight on Ludovic. I just think Ignacio is that freaking good. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Yeah, I think Ignacio is pretty good as well. And Ludovic was, you know, one of the greatest lock of the weeks of all time, you know, plus 375 versus Mason. The reason why I liked him in that fight is because of his dynamic striking, can mix in the wrestling, but it's really his pace and his pressure. And that's something you didn't see against Jai. I mean, I, I, I kind of liked him in that matchup against Jai, a guy that can kind of get bullied around. And you didn't see him bullying Jai until that third round, until there was, what I think there was a point deduction or something. And then LC just started going crazy, getting the takedowns, doing what he needed to do. But I mean, at that, by that time, it was you know too little, too late. And it was really the length of Jai. I mean, was, you could tell that he was just kind of staying at that kickboxing range and really didn't know how to get inside the dynamic, fast, rangy striking of Jai. And if there was a... Jai times two or a Jai 2.0, it's probably Ignacio. I mean, Ignacio is basically Jai Herbert, but a better version of Jai. He doesn't have, as you mentioned, the kind of the offensive wrestling as Jai will throw in a takedown or two um, against some people. But Ignacio is better. I mean, he's basically a better version of Jai. And if Ludovic, you know, Ludovic, this is a very winnable fight for Ludovic. So people that want to play the Ludovic side, I understand it. But he needs to show up and be that aggressive Ludovic. He needs to get in the face. He needs to close the distance. Push him against the cage. Make this kid work. Put him on his back. You know, and he's got to be careful doing that too, because now he's got decent front chokes and everything like that. So, but Ludovic's got to bring the pace. He's got to bring the pressure. He has to be the one dictating the octagon pushing him backwards, and I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it against Ignacio. Ignacio's got good footwork. He can circle around. He knows how to keep that range. You know, Chilean national kickboxing champion or whatever it is. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, I like Ludovic. I'm going with Ignacio. We're on the same page. Have we disagreed yet? We have. Oh. All right. Yeah, well, I uh, I like Ignacio here. I think he is... I want to say he's safe to parlay, but then, you know, this will be the fight where Ludovic smokes him, and it's like, yeah, of course. The guy yeah, he's was more, such a yeah Ludovic's more than capable <laughs> of winning this fight, for yeah. sure. Super technical striker. Super technical striker. And you're, like you said, without the threat of a takedown, maybe he doesn't have to worry about it. But what I think could happen is if Ludovic gets touched up a little bit and then shoots his own takedown, Ignacio could snatch something up. He's phenomenal at scooping things up in those uh, defensive wrestling positions. He's just so freaking long. He just works in those chokes and gets things going. Anyway, $9,100 in DraftKings is tricky because... Without the takedowns, without the threat of a takedown and control time and the five point, without any of that, you're going to need a stoppage out of him. And Ludovic's not, the th you know, that's going to be tough to do, right? You, we're both on Ignacio, but you're thinking $9,100 is worth it? 
No, because, I mean, if he wins, in my mind, if he wins, he needs to win safe. Like, he needs to just kind of keep his distance, kind of point, point. If he starts throwing power, I think he'd get countered and get caught, which, you know, not good. I agree. I, I uh, Probably a fade at $9,100 in DraftKings because without the grappling and probably not a finish, then what's he really going to score? We'll take a look, see what he did against Trey Ogden because that could look somewhat similar. Weonpicks.com, click become a member. You'll unlock literally everything, picks, bets, fantasy information, FanDuel as well. We don't talk about FanDuel very often here or at all, but everything we have for DraftKings, we have for FanDuel. Full breakdowns of every single person you should put in your single entry, multi-entry, ranking the fighters by salaries, all of that for FanDuel, for DraftKings, the DraftKings Optimal. There's so much, it's honestly insane. $10 a month at weonpicks.com. Just click become a member. Next up, at UFC Nashville, we have Tanner Bozer in his second fight at light heavyweight, taking on Alexa Kamer. Tanner Bozer, 20 and 10 overall, one and four in his last five. He's coming off that knockout loss to Jan Kutalaba in his light heavyweight debut. He's taking on Alexa Kamer. This kid is only six and two in his career. He's three and two in his last five. He is coming off of two losses and two years away. Tanner Bozer, as I mentioned, stepping in in his second fight at light heavyweight. And while his debut was a huge dud, he's still a talented guy. He's a pretty athletic guy. He was small for heavyweight, so he's good size for light heavyweight. He's got solid striking with a differential of 4-2. to two. He's got 61% takedown defense. He does have zero recorded takedowns in the UFC, but he's got good hands with very big power. He's taking on Alexa Kamer. You haven't seen this guy in a couple of years, but he was here. I promise you, he was here. He had that fight with Nick Negamorenu two years ago where he landed way more strikes. Almost had a handful of takedowns. Probably should have gotten the nod, but Nick Negamorenu was grabbing that fence and sort of preventing that from happening. But this kid is an aggressive technical striker he's coming back after two years away as i mentioned he does work in grappling when he needs to but he's very fast he throws solid straight punches and when he isn't wrestling he's going to work in some takedowns meaning if you're not shooting on him he'll shoot on you he's not a wrestler but he can get those going he tanner bozer is one and four in his last five one and four in his last five coming off a pretty quick knockout loss and i understand he's athletic he's probably going to be bigger but who in the world is spending this money on him? And I see the line is actually tightening, and that makes a lot of sense. I just cannot believe he opened at 185. Alexa Kamer, yes, he's 6-2. and two. That last fight was probably a win, so he's 7-1. and one. He's young. He's going to be the better striker. I like Alexa Kamer here. It is going to be low confidence because two years away is wild. I don't know what we're going to see. And Tanner Bozer is tough as shit. He will come forward and just swing away, and if his chin gives out, it gives out. But... He's not going to quit on you. So the pick is going to be Alexa. Um, I'm probably not going to do anything with it, though. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Yeah, Alexa, you mentioned the layoff. One of the reasons why he had that long layoff was he got his elbow cleaned up. And he talked about it in an interview, I think, last week or something like that. He was having nerve issues and muscle issues with his, with his I think, right or left elbow, whatever his jab elbow is. And uh, it was really affecting him while he's fighting. He was fighting with that pain. So he finally got it cleaned up. And now that he's back, he's talked about how he just feels so rejuvenated, especially with that jab, because he is a boxer. I mean, he's like a Golden Glove champion boxer. Great, great boxer. I think the, one of the biggest things that we need to mention here, too, is that he is Stipe's, one of Stipe's main training partners. He is at that gym in Cleveland. And I have to imagine, and I mentioned that, I think, in my uh, video today, I, that 
that that camp is ramping up, you know, getting ready for John Jones. I imagine the intensity in that camp, in that gym, is is at an all-time high right now, and he's getting ready to to come in here and fight a guy, as you mentioned, that came down to 205, was really a lot of people's pick because he came in like the Derek Lewis thing, looked great on the scale, he's got the six-pack, oh my God, against Jan Kutalaba, who was losing to everyone at that point. He's going to destroy Kutalaba, just touch him a few times, he can knock him out, and he came in, was getting hit a couple times. Looked like he didn't like getting hit. Kutalaba just nice. Just a nice, it wasn't a wild overhand right. It wasn't a wild shot. Just a clean right hand down the pipe. Hurt him. Put him to the ground and finish him. And that was a bad look because I believe that Tanner Bozer is kind of a, a wish version of Nikolau. I mean, he, he kind of fights the same as Nikolau. He's, he's known as that tough, gritty guy that's moving forward with volume. The difference is Nikolau can mix in a takedown or two. He tried to take down Alexa. Couldn't do it. And you saw... The improvements. That's what I want to highlight with Alexis. You see the improvements, right? Coming into that the 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 Nikolau fight, he had just gotten steamrolled by William Knight. And I don't want to say steamrolled in the fact that he was kind of quit and he got finished, but he was he was taken down over and over again. He still got back to his feet a number of times against a very strong, powerful guy, and he made those adjustments, right? Nikolau tried to get him against the cage, was trying to work him and grind him, and he couldn't get him to the ground. Alexa is definitely going to be the better the, the better boxer in this matchup. So if if Alexa was able to withstand the pace, the pressure, the durability of Nikolau in that striking and if you watch the, the the shots that he was landing on Nikolau I just don't see any world where Tanner can bring that same pace intensity and durability and even when Nikolau did that I believe Lexa won that fight anyway so I think Tanner's gonna get put away early and it's gonna be an easy peasy win for Alexa very high on him in this week yeah we're on the same side you're a little more confident than I am obviously and people people were trashing so my quick picks comes out on Sundays, so it's a little before this, obviously. And people were in my comments, I can't believe you picked Alexa. He lost to William Knight, LOL. The, the people's like short-term memories are wild. Like, yes, William Knight looked like absolute shit in his last fight. I get it. But that dude is jacked. He's fast. He's a good wrestler. And when he was taking people's heads off their bodies, I didn't hear people saying how much he sucked then. So it's just very, those it's very were all easy. just. I mean, that was just. He literally was just out muscling a kid. I mean, Alexa was yeah. like 23, <laughs> 24 years old at that point. William Knight was literally just grabbing him and just dragging him to the ground, basically. I mean, it's just going to happen sometimes. And he cleaned it up. And I, I'm glad you mentioned it too, because Alexa can wrestle. He's, he's he can get a takedown or two. Yeah. Oh yeah, he'll shoot. Which is the a very. Reason- I mean that that path to victory against Tanner. I mean, mixing a takedown every round, you win the fight. Uh, the only reason he didn't get a takedown against Nick is because Nick was literally grabbing the cage. Like just blatantly, like whoop, well, he was he was hole, grabbing on the, the offensive side. He was holding Alexa against the cage, grabbing it. Yeah, because uh, what's his name, Warner, like six times, and then stopped the fight with thirty seconds to go because he kept doing it and still didn't take a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just said, "Don't I do re- it again." It's like, what are you? It's thirty. Seconds I remember ago. watching that. Li- I think you live streamed that one in like one of your very first live streams because I think I watched that like in the kitchen and Tiffany was like, "What is that, Jacob? What is happening?" Maybe. Oh, how far we've come. O-M-E. C-O-M-E. $8,700 in DraftKings? I don't think so. $7,500 in DraftKings? I don't think so. I already have two big 7,000 guys I'm going to spend the money on. Are you going to put the Alexa? Well, you think he's going to get an early finish, so yeah. It's extremely... And, and the and the bet that I think is, is really, really good on Alexa here is inside the distance decisional action. I don't see any world where Tanner comes in. I mean, he was eating shots. I mean, he's a, he doesn't quit on himself. He's a tough kid. You know, those Cleveland guys are built a little bit different. You know how tough Stipe is as well. So, What uh, what are the odds on that? Do you know? 
It was minus 105 when I got it. I don't know what it is now. I may copy that. That is a solid. I agree with you because he's not a quitter. And even if he gets, let's say he just gets bullied again. If, you know, William Knight didn't put him out. Still minus 105. All right. Maybe I'll hit that when this stream is over. Guys, if you want to see if I hit it, well, Jacob already told you he did. If you want to see if we hit it, wewantpicks.com. Click become a member. It is only $10 a month. And if I listed everything that's included for that $10, this would be a four-hour stream. And somebody asked if uh, there's training videos. If you go to his Instagram, there's videos of him hitting pads and stuff. Alexa, if you want to see it. They think you're mad at me because I gave it. He's not mad at me because I gave it the lock. He's he, and he's not mad. I jumped down his throat a little too early in the stream, and there's just no recovering from that. It has nothing to do with that. Well, then why why are we in the dumps, Jakey boy? What's Who sent him in the dumps? I'm just giving my breakdowns, man. This isn't regular Jacob. We all know that. You know that. If you know that in your heart, you know that. Just give my breakdowns. And you know what? Before we were live, you shit all over my wings, and you got me all fired up, and then we're live, and I snap a little bit, and then I'm the bad guy. It's bullshit. You know, I went out. I bought all of that for you. I bought all those wings just for you. That cage, I bought that for you. That was for you. I, just I mean, I ate more wings than suck. I've... I ate more did, wings than I've ever eaten in my life. You actually did eat a ton of wings. To the point where I was like, holy shit. Good for They're him. good. That's why I wanted them. I, I am very disappointed. If you guys watched the video, I made the two types, the super sweet ones, and then I made the ones with the lemon pepper. I, that lemon pepper is from uh, Cosmos or whatever. That's like a good, that's a that's a name brand and seasoning. I've never used it before, but it's freaking lemon pepper. For some reason, it was loaded with oregano and they sucked. Very disappointing. What's that noise? What is that noise? Well, I'll say it so you can make fun of me. It's a train, oh. Angelo. <laughs> I, it wasn't even a setup because it was just out of nowhere. I, I didn't even realize it. My bad. My bad. Next up at UFC Nashville, we have Diego Lopes taking on Gavin Tucker. Jacob and I are going to definitely disagree on this fight. We got Diego Lopes, 21-6 and six overall. Two and three in his last five. He's coming off that short notice loss to Mosvar. Evloyev. He's taking on Gavin Tucker, 13-2 overall. 3-2 in his last five. He is coming back after a knockout loss, but two years away. Gavin Tucker is a high-paced guy. He moves forward with striking. He finishes the distance with takedowns. He'll come forward, bop, 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 shoot, bop, 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 shoot. He sets a great pace, and while he is hittable, he's definitely hittable, he is pretty tough. I get it. He was knocked out, like, instantly two years ago, but it was two years ago. Let's assume his chin is recovered. He averages three takedowns per fight, and he had seven takedowns against Billy Quarantillo in 2020. He doesn't necessarily have big one-punch knockout power, but between volume and takedowns, he can create openings and get finishes. He's taking on Diego Lopes. Here's my breakdown on Diego Lopes, okay? He is a talented kid. He's going to bomb away in his feet. He gets pretty wild and loose striking. He chases finishes. But he does throw in combinations, which is nice. Doesn't have much to offer in the wrestling department, but has very good jujitsu. He won a couple of scrambles against Mosvar, and he really made Mosvar work in that fight. Diego Lopes is a good fighter, but he gets taken down very easily. That's the big knock on him. This line 
is crazy to me. Minus 237 is bizarre because Diego Lopes gets taken down very easily. And yeah, he's got wild striking, but Gavin Tucker should be the more technical striker. I think he's going to come in, throw, shoot takedowns, and he'll probably be in a couple of sketchy situations. And But I think he's going to survive the grappling and ride out a 29-28 or better. Basically, what Mosvar did. And I get it. Mosvar was like, what was he, minus 600, minus 700 in that last fight? I think this line has a lot to do with the fact that Diego Lopes stepped up on short notice against a guy that people, myself included, thought should have been a 10-to-1 favorite, and he made it a close fight. And now people are like, this guy's so good. He's getting more credit in this loss than most people get in wins. I think Diego Lopes is talented, but he's 2-3 and three in his last five. 2-3. and three. I just don't see this happening. I think Gavin Tucker comes forward, keeps the volume in his face, gets the takedowns, and he's going to beat Diego Lopes. Probably beat him worse than Mosvar did. I have a half a year and I'm plus 115, and boy, am I fucking stupid because you can get it at plus 155 now. And we're going to check out weigh-ins and go from there. I get it. Gavin was knocked out. You can call him Chinny if you want. The dude only has two losses. He was knocked out by one of the better strikers in the division. Two years ago, that chin has recovered. I like Gavin to get it done, and the Diego Lopes love is bizarre to me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I get it because he did put him in some weird situations, but I agree. I, I remember when I was watching that fight, and, and I tried to warn people about Evalov. I mean, I was going to pick Bryce Mitchell yeah. against Evalov because I knew that Evalov was kind of a pussy, and Diego showed that in, in the grappling exchanges. But when I was watching that, and remembering that back, I was like, "Oh yeah, Diego almost won that fight." There was, and I think a lot. There was a few people that were like, "I, I think that Diego did win that fight." You know, with with his, his submission threats and all that stuff. And then I rewatched it uh, Sunday, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like that fight really wasn't even that close. <laughs> like he was like he had that arm bar in the first round, kind of got mauled the entire second round, was getting mauled the entire third round until he threw up that knee bar or whatever at the very. I mean, literally in the last like twenty seconds, he almost got that knee bar. So yeah, he almost won that fight. But for a majority of that fight he was being controlled on the ground and obviously Evalov was trying to I mean he was doing some weird stuff like you know moving his hips out oh my god here here comes a triangle and stuff like that but Evalov was pretty wise to everything I think Gavin Tucker is going to be pretty wise to everything as well but Diego to his credit striking defense is atrocious right I think you mentioned that as well he, <laughs> he does get hit but I mean he strikes. will move forward and he will kind of I mean he it's almost like the the, the Patty Pimblet way of striking right just kind of throw your chin out there and just pray that you can land before the other guy lands and in this fight I think that he might be able to do that I mean it just feels like he is just destined for this you know he, he just earned a win and against a guy 37 years old coming off a two-year layoff just got knocked out in his last fight it seems like it just can be one of those fights where he's going to find a way to win this fight either in the strike and get him hurt and then maybe we'll see Diego on top with some offensive grappling but I, I agree I think Gavin's the better fighter here anyone that's putting money on Gavin or picking Gavin I see people in the chat you know Gavin lock of the week all this stuff I get it he, I mean he's the better fighter Diego does get hit he can get control on the ground Gavin is a better striker can wrestle should be able to stay safe in the grappling but I'm going to ride the train here and pick the kid because he, yeah, he just showed unbelievable toughness even though he was kind of controlled that whole fight. And uh, I, I think that he's kind of due uh, for this win. And uh, I think our AI robot enjoys those uh, big age gaps too. I'm going to ride that train. I'm going to take the young kid here in uh, Diego. 
if you did nothing else but pick based solely on the younger fighter, I think that I think it's something like sixty two percent of the time that's correct, which is like, you know, that's that, that's a problem, especially in this matchup because I've got money on Gavin and and yeah, he's thirty seven. He was he was knocked out, knocked out, but it's been two years, two years of abuse free, meaning not two years of getting his head smashed in and fist fights two calm years so hopefully yeah and i'm i'm picking i'm yeah i'm picking diego but i mean at plus money i would throw money on diego but anything minus i mean he just had to show me enough that i'm putting minus money or put him in parlay some people are like oh diego's lock it's like oh dude the 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 love i'm seeing for diego is wild like I, mean, I get i mean i get it like cuz he's a fun dude and stuff like that and but when you're trying to be smart about it it's like yeah, especially because he's not going to get a takedown. So now we're relying on him to hopefully get a submission off his back or make something happen on the feet. He can't defend the takedown either. So even if he gets Gavin in trouble, you know. So I get it. He's also super young and dangerous as hell. So I get it. Another, I mean, this card is this card is going to ruin a lot of people and make a lot of people rich. Like this is going to be a really weird card. Because I would you agree? Like you could make the argument that almost every single one of these fighters has a chance in these fights. This one actually seems a little bit more straightforward than the last few. Really? I when I started breaking this down, because you know you and I both try to well, not look well, at straightforward the odds. as far as like maybe not straightforward as picks, but straightforward as far as like the the ones to stay away. Like this isn't a straightforward fight, but I know to yeah, stay yeah, away yeah. from it. Gotcha. The the Billy Q and and Damon Jackson. That's not a straightforward fight, but I know it's close enough that I'm gonna stay away. You know, it seems like the the ones to stay away from are obvious to stay away from. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the picks are sketchy, but the bets are a little obvious. There's a couple of obvious parts. Seems like there's here. some decent spots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at you. You're like you got away with words. You know what you said, and I've heard it before, but you said it a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago. You're like, both things can be true. That's obviously a common thing. You didn't invent that. Right. But you said it, and it was perfect. I say that shit all the time now. I mean, Tiffany was get, like... Yeah, literally. That's how people try to argue all the time. Ask me one or the other. It's like, no. Yeah, like Tiffany's like, you're a fat piece of shit. It's like, hold on. Both of those things can be true. It's not one or the other. Right. They're both true. $7,900. No, I'm not touching it. I already got the half a unit money line on him. I already missed the value. That was dumb as shit. Maybe this line takes off even more and I'll sprinkle a little. Probably not, but I, uh, I'm i going to leave that alone in DraftKings. I imagine you will too. You're going to spend $8,300 on... I mean, if he wins by submission or finish, all of a sudden he's the best value on this card. But Yeah, according to the odds, it's already the best value when it comes to DraftKings because he's... I mean, what, what did we look at earlier when somebody was... I remember what the fight was earlier. Felt like they were priced a lot higher, but their odds were a lot lower. Yeah. You're not going to see a minus 240 at $8,300 very often. <laughs> no, no, not very often at all. And that's actually because it must be when this line moved because he opened as the dog. Right. So the line started to move and then DraftKings did their pricing and then it continued to move. So yeah, this is a full-blown flip as well. We on picks.com. Click become a member. It's only $10 a month. And honestly... Even if it's not for all the wild shit we put on there to make it the best value in this game, it's just an awesome way to support us and uh, keep this show running. We on picks.com. Click become a member. $2 super chat from Bulldog Creations. We won him over, Jacob. He hated the show at first, and now we're the only people he watches. What didn't you like? Is it the arguing? Some people can't stand the arguing. Some people love the arguing. 
Sometimes it's aggressive arguing. Sometimes it's playful arguing. It's just what happens when friends hang out. We have another flip. We got Dustin Jacoby. Open as a favorite, closing on the dog. Next up at UFC Nashville, we have Dustin Jacoby taking on Kennedy in Chukwu. Dustin Jacoby, 18 and 7 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. He is on a two fight skid. He's taking on Kennedy in Chukwu. He's 12 and 3 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. He's riding a nice three fight win streak with two of those wins being come from behind victories, which. This guy just continues to do week in and week out. Dustin Jacoby, high-level kickboxer. We've mentioned it many, many times. He was a professional. He was MMA, left, professional kickboxer, back to MMA. And when he was in that professional kickboxing run, he was ranked second in the world at one point. He does a great job of keeping things technical. He will light up your legs. He'll work the body. And then he'll come to your head later. He likes to invest early. He has a 60% takedown defense. That number is understated. If you actually watch, his takedown defense looks much better than a little more than half. He has solid takedown defense, and he does a great job making you pay. If you shoot a takedown, he's going to hit you. It's going to hurt. It's going to make you question if you want to shoot another takedown after that. He's coming off two losses in a row. The first was to Cleo Lowntree. Sketchy decision. I think he won that fight. The most recent, though, was to Azmat Mirzakhanov where he was knocked down for the first time in his career, and that is what worries me here. He's taking on Kennedy and Chuckle. This guy is long. He's powerful. Solid takedown defense at 80%, and he is never out of a fight. He might quite literally have the most come-from-behind victories in the UFC. I don't know how to find that stat, but I would not be surprised if it was him. It's incredible. Some of them are at the end of the third round. Boom. Others are lost the first got the knockout in the second but he is losing fights more often than he's winning them but he's able to pull it off he can be a little gun shy which is how he even ends up giving up rounds but then he lets his hands go he's coming off that submission win over Devin Clark where he was almost finished in the first round came back got it done in the second I mentioned it just a few minutes ago this card feels like it can be a disaster honestly every single one of these fights I feel like I could make an intelligent argument on the other side I'm going to pick Kennedy and Chuck. He's just insanely dangerous. He's huge. He's never out of a fight. And we just watched Justin Kobe get dropped. And by Azmat Mirzakhanov, who's not like the biggest hitter, biggest hitter, he's not hammer fisted. But then I could also make the argument Dustin Jacoby was ranked number two in the world. He's going to be the more technical kickboxer. How could you not go with him? This is super tough. The pick is Kennedy and Chuck because of how insanely dangerous he is. And it's getting old trying to pick against the guy because it doesn't matter how bad he's losing. He's just going to pull it off later in the fight. So if Kennedy wants to get it, he's got to get his hands going early because if he lets Justin or Dustin pick apart his legs, he's going to have problems. But Kennedy's the pick. I'll be rooting for Dustin Jacoby because I'm a big Dustin fan. What do you think, Jakey boy? Yeah, I think, I think you, you basically nailed it when you said Kennedy's a more dangerous guy. I think that's what it comes down to in this fight. You know, Dustin, I, I agree. I was a big Dustin guy. I was one of the only people I got trash for picking him against Dawu Jung in that fight. And he came in and got the big knockout. And you really thought that he was going to be one of those next guys that kind of takes over this 2 of I division with his kickboxing style. And as you mentioned, good takedown defense. will kind of shoot a takedown or two uh, on his own as well. But then you come in that Khalil Roundtree fight. And I agree. I think he probably won that fight. But that was a fight that, in my mind, 
mind, he should have dominated. I mean, I thought that he really should have dominated the striking exchanges in that Khalil Roundtree fight. And you kind of saw the, the confidence start to leave in that fight, in my mind, right? He was doing the volume. He had the volume, but Khalil was landing the, 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 the powerful shots. And that's why he was able to get kind of that split decision win, because he was landing what appeared to be the more significant strikes in that matchup. And against a guy like Kennedy, you don't want to have him landing significant strikes. You don't want him landing the big shots. And you saw that carry over into that Azmat fight. So Khalil started touching him, started touching him a little bit more, was able to sneak it out. Dustin came in that Azmat fight, got hit a couple times, and then you it's almost like the confidence was completely gone. And Dustin, without that confidence, without him you know, doing the showboating stuff, you'll see like the watch the birdie, and then he's trying to hit from the outside and dancing around the footwork. When he doesn't have that confidence, he's almost just a, a, a regular guy. I mean, he just seems like kind of a, a, a regular fighter. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to be one of those top guys, you have to have a little bit of extra. You got to be something extra. And during that streak of that, that the no loss streak where he had that draw in there, whatever, he, it looked like he could be that guy. But against Azmat, he kind of folded underneath the pressure. He kind of folded underneath the power of Azmat. And Kennedy does have that power. Yes, he can be attentive at times. He can fall behind. But once he has you hurt, and I think that's the biggest difference in this fight, is Dustin, if he has you hurt, you know, he will kind of jump on you. But he doesn't, it seems like he lacks that kind of second gear in my mind where Kennedy does not last that second gear. I mean, he will turn it on. He will look for that finish. And I think that's the biggest difference in this fight. I think these are two guys on two different career trajectories in my mind. You know, I think I think Kenny's on his way up. I think Dustin's on his way down. You know, he is an 18-7 and seven fighter. He won a lot of fights to get even to 18-7. and seven. Um, So, you know, unfortunately, uh, Dustin is, is kind of my guy. But I'm, I'm actually pretty high on Kennedy in this matchup. I think they're both kind of the same type of striker. And Kennedy's a little bit rangier and a little bit more dangerous. So I'm going Kennedy. I feel good. About I'm surprised it. you're uh, you're that high on him, because I do worry that he could just be gun shy and get his legs lit up for 15 minutes, and then that's the end of it. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna like this matchup. It's a good matchup. He could because he probably doesn't have to worry about takedowns, which is like. And I Dustin, like will, almost... Dustin will take his time too. I mean, he'll just kind of out point jab, 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 circle, circle, circle. I think Kennedy's gonna have time to find find his rhythm in this fight. I think it's gonna be a breakout fight for Kennedy. It could be. I mean, I you know, it, he's definitely fun to watch. He literally is never out of a fight. Like, you could go through every single fight, every single one of his wins, and be like, yep, he was losing that. Yep, he was losing that. Yep, he was losing that. So he's never out of a fight. So I guess even if Dustin does have early success with leg kicks and stuff like that, it's not crazy that Kennedy will just whomp later in the fight. $8,400 in DraftKings, you trust him to get a finish? Because it's not going to be takedowns. So. I think it's going to be a breakout fight for, uh, for Kennedy. So that sounds like he'd be decent value in DraftKings as well. Open as the dog, going to close as the favorite. I'm curious to see how far this line goes. Wayans are going to be interesting because he's a massive dude. He's 6'5". He's a big guy. And he's not like, oh, Sean Woodson's so tall for the weight class. Sean Woodson looks like he's going to break a leg if he steps off a curb weird. Kennedy and Chuck, I don't know how he makes 205. He is big through Dustin's and through. A, Dustin's a big dude too. Yeah, he's 6'3". Yeah. Actually, then that could be a bigger issue, too, in that he's just not used to fighting somebody bigger than him. Because the reach is incredible. I mean, Azmat was lighting him up, and Azmat's like 5'8". <laughs> Maybe that was also a problem. <laughs> punching down. Punching down. We on picks.com. Click become a member. Unlock everything we have to offer. Next up at UFC Nashville, we have the co-main event of the evening. We have Jessica Andrade. Taking on Tatiana 
Suarez. Jessica Andrade, 24 and 11. Three and two in her last five. She is on a two-fight skid. She's taking on Tatiana Suarez. Undefeated in her career and looking for a title shot. This is an interesting fight. This line movement is the most baffling line movement on this freaking card. Jessica Andrade, former world champion, insanely tough contender at multiple weight classes. She is not, you know, incredibly technically sound at any one thing, but she's well-rounded enough. She's got submissions. She's got power in her hands. She'll bomb away. She's tough, has some decent takedowns as well, but mostly she's a bully. She's going to come forward. She's going to be big. She's going to be strong. She's going to try to push you around. She's a bully. And if she can bully you like she did to Lauren Murphy, she will beat the absolute piss out of you. It won't even be a fight. She will just bash your brains in, pick you up, slam you, throw you around, do whatever the hell she wants to do to you if she can be the bully. If she cannot be the bully, she has nothing else to offer. She's got no backup plan. Anybody she's fought that was just as strong, just as big, wouldn't get pushed around, just worked Jessica. And that's the problem. She's taking on Tatiana Suarez. Tatiana Suarez, she just came back after four years away. She submitted Montel and De La Rosa in that second round. And while she has only fought once in four years, she's got a really solid resume. She submitted the current champion, Alexa Grasso, Carla Esparza as well, who is a multiple-time world champion. And Tatiana is a dominant wrestler. She's averaging more than six takedowns per fight. She has six wins in the UFC, a total of 24 takedowns. Her striking is just okay, but her wrestling is incredibly high level. And I just don't, what's Jessica Andrade going to do? Of course, she can come forward. She can blitz, throw a bunch of punches, but then all Tatiana has to do is drop and shoot. And Robert's going to talk about all the weight class. She's coming down in weight. She's coming down in weight. I love that she's not coming down in weight after four years away. She just fought got all of those cobwebs out of there and now she's coming down in weight and she's take this is it all her issues are fixed i think it was neck neck issues or whatever everything's good to go she's here i think tatiana suarez dominates this fight i am shocked that she's only i honestly the opening minus 700 made a lot of sense that is what this should be we just watched jessica andrade two fights ago get taken down and smoked how, why, why do we think Tatiana Suarez is not going to do the same thing? So Tatiana Suarez is the pick. I do not see her getting bullied. She has the giant, massive, humongous wrestling advantage. And that's how you beat a bully. Take a bully down. They got nothing off her off their back. What do you think, Jakey? Yeah, that's what somebody in the chat just said. If Suarez can't get Andrade down, she's going to die. We just saw Andrade getting absolutely lit up by Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron Blanchfield is just an average striker. Jessica Andrade, and I've been preaching this for a long, long time, is very, very overrated. She has never beat somebody that is better than her. She she slammed Rose on her head. That was like the most one of the most fluke things in the world. <laughs> and against Amanda Lamos, Amanda Lamos would have absolutely fucking smoked her. And she just fluked into this wild head and arm, standing head and arm triangle, like the third in the entire UFC. She has never beat somebody that is better than her. And Tatiana is a better fighter than her, even if it, even if on their feet. It doesn't matter. She can just kind of take her time. Jessica Andrade just throws these wild chin up in the air, looping strikes. She is one of those old school strikers. 
Angel mentioned, that just wants to bully people. She's not tactical in her striking. She's not good enough in the ground game. Yeah, it's women's MMA, and it's 115, and anything could happen. I mean, I don't want to sit here and say that Andrade doesn't have a shot in hell, because anything could happen. We've seen crazier things happen than Andrade landing a shot, hurting Tatiana, and, you know, weird things happen, because it seems like she gets these fluke wins a lot. But, <laughs> I mean, Tatiana should be able to do what? People do. Just fucking, she's better than Andrade. She should just fucking beat her. Take her down and do what she needs to do. I, I'm surprised. Weren't you, like, giving me a hard time yesterday? Or maybe you were just about the odds or something? Oh, I think it was about the odds. Because I, I said Tatiana should be minus 1,000. The odds just keep Well, you know what's funny is I, because I, uh, I put her in a parlay, and when I grabbed her, she was minus 400. And right after I placed the parlay, she moved to minus 450. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, got that in there in time. And now she's... And, then, point, but and the back I mean, fell out of it. Is. I mean, I'm at the point, too, and I mentioned in my quick pick video, too, that, it, I mean, at minus 320, that almost <laughs> might be worth, a, a, like, just a money line bet. At minus 320. I, I mean, it's getting to that point where it's like, Jesus, I mean, you're going to give me that value. I, I imagine it's going to rebound because... And listen, I was... Um, I was almost this confident in Rodrigo... Um, uh, Marco Rodrigo Delima. What the fuck's his name? Rogerio, Rogerio Delima. Rogerio Delima. I was almost this confident. The only reason I wasn't quite this confident is because we know Derek Lewis can do exactly what he did. He he always possesses one punch knockout power. Jessica doesn't really have that one punch knockout power. She has the push you around and beat you in like she did to Lauren Murphy, but she doesn't have just one punch. Whoop. Yeah, her. Gone. I mean, her. Her literally her aggression that people want to tout her for in her striking, the way she bullies people, is going to be her biggest fucking downfall in this fight. I mean, wrestlers love when you just come running at them, throwing wild. That's what Jessica Andrade does. Okay, I'm just going to level change and take you down. It's, it makes it even easier. Andrade isn't going to sit back and wait for these takedowns and defend the takedowns and then try to work the strike. She's going to be moving forward. She's going to be wild. She's going to be aggressive. Tatiana's going to level change, take her down, and fucking ball her. I completely agree. I completely agree. So I'm all over Tatiana Suarez as well. I do think she is safe to parlay, and I do have some money on her, and it sounds like Jacob does as well. $9,500 in DraftKings, I will probably spend that because I think there's a bunch of takedowns. I think there's some control time, and then the eventual submission. I think we can get a second or third round submission. Let's see what Aaron Blanchfield scored against Jessica Andrade. It's probably something like that, but a little longer. Because Aaron's jiu-jitsu is going to be better. Tatiana's going to have to She didn't even try to wrestle until the side. I mean, once she wrestled, she finished it pretty quick. She didn't even try yeah. to wrestle, I don't think, until the second round. I don't think Tatiana's going to do that. Yeah, she'll wrestle <laughs> pretty much immediately. And yeah, I get it. She's going down in weight, but, you know. I, I mean, it shows more that she she can make 115. That's her natural weight class. She fought a, a, a tough De La Rosa, a big De La Rosa, and um, handled it just fine. Because De La well, Rosa this, is decent on the ground, too. Yeah, Taylor Rose is a good, decent wrestler as well. And this isn't the, uh, first of all, the Carla Esparza win, and I know that was years ago, that's a huge win. She dominated Carla Esparza. Um, but this isn't even like she's coming down in weight because she lost and has to reinvent her career or coming down in weight. It's not that at all. This isn't a desperate weight cut at the end of a career to try to salvage things. This is like the prime of her career. I'm going to ride for a title, and this is the weight class I want to do it in because I'm small. So I'm all over it. If you want to see all the bets and everything else that we've got with Tatiana, we want picks.com. Click and, become uh, a member. Tabitha would be good. I think she smokes Tabitha Ricci. I guess we'll fight. know more after this fight. I, and I favor wrestlers too much. 
It's funny because somebody well, said, Tabitha's "Oh, Angela." Rich, Tabitha's a good wrestler. Yeah, but she like if Jillian Robertson took her down, I think Tatiana Suarez will take her down, no problem. The Jillian didn't take her down, I don't think. I thought she did, but I'm just flying off the top no, of my head. Tabitha you know just how... took her down and then got back up, just to kind of dominate that, controlled that fight. Yeah. Well, let's get through this one and then see because I would love to see Tatiana like fighting for just fresh blood in this whole thing. And I love these dominant, dominant wrestlers. Next up at UFC Nashville, we have the main event of the evening. We have Corey Sanhagen taking on Rob Font. Corey Sanhagen, 16 and 4 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. He is coming off that win over Chito Vera. He's taking on Rob Font, 20 and 6 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. Coming off that bounce back win over Adrian Yanez. And this is a short notice step up. Not super short. Not as short as that dude, Dennis Bazooka, we broke down earlier. But short enough, what, two weeks? Something like that. So that definitely needs to be factored in here. But Corey Sanhagen is long, very active striker. He lands almost six significant strikes per minute. He does have some deceiving power, solid technique. He's fluid. He's fast. He's very good with combinations and variety. He's going to throw the punches, the kicks, the elbows, the knees. And he's going to mix up where they all land. He's athletic. He's tough. And he rounds it all out with some solid BJJ. Corey is dangerous. He's tough. He's a hard night out for pretty much everybody. Even if you beat him, you had a rough go out of it. It was not an easy fight. And I've repeated the word tough multiple times because he is incredibly tough. He will take a beating. He will keep coming. He's had some absolute wars. He's coming off that, I think, a dominant win over Cheeto Vera where he almost tripled his strikes. He had three takedowns. Did you think that Cheeto fight was a dominant win? I mean, that was a, was a split decision. I mean, I thought he beat the crap out of Cheeto. That was, wasn't that the, where the judge got in trouble for making it a split or something? It was like absurd. It's like, what the hell is going on here? But um, anyway, he's taking on Rob Font. Rob Font stepping up on short notice. Rob Font also incredibly gritty, tough, a technical striker. He does have a solid chin. We've seen him get lit up. We've seen his face melt. But he does have a solid chin. He is primarily a boxer, so you're not going to see him kicking. You're not going to see him wrestling. Uh, he likes to work in and out of the pocket really, really well. He's got some of the cleanest boxing in this division it's lightning fast the technique is incredibly solid and he is coming off of an incredible knockout win over adrian yanez but if you look at it a little closer if you're just looking at topology oh he knocked out adrian yanez this guy's also an incredible striker rob font was a step behind that entire fight and then stuck that jab rocked yanez and then got the finish rob font is really tough rob font is never out of a fight he's not going to back down he's going to keep his power but he is older. He is stepping up on short notice. He was a step behind every strike in that last fight. I just think Corey Sanhagen is going to win this fight. I think he's going to dance around. He's going to mix in kicks. He's going to mix in strikes. He's going to work in some takedowns. I think Corey's going to win this fight. I do think it goes 25 minutes because of how insanely tough Rob Font is. But between the age, the short notice step up, and all that stuff, I think Corey Sanhagen is uh, very confident. Very confident in Corey Sanhagen of getting this done. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Yeah, these odds kind of make sense to me. And, and I disagree a little bit with the Rob Font being a step behind Yanez. I think that was a pretty close fight. But I, I do agree that the knockout was more indicative of Yanez making a mistake more than, than Rob kind of doing what he needed to do. He capitalized on the mistake. And it definitely wasn't a, a fluke or anything like that. I mean, he was 
he outboxed a boxer and found the shot when it was there. But Giannis kind of gave him the shot. And the reason I mention that is because Corey doesn't really give people those type of opportunities with the striking. He's not a, a stand in the phone booth and, and try to outbox you type of guy. He's, he's going to have his movement, almost like a dominant cruise type of movement in. He's out. He's mixing some takedowns, as Angelo's mentioned as well. And I think that's the key. Any, anytime you want to beat Rob Font, you can't box him. I mean, if you if you try to box Rob Font, as Adrian Giannis found out, you're probably going to lose. I mean, you're probably going to lose that 8 out of 10 times. So if Corey stands in the phone booth toe-to-toe with this guy, he can definitely lose his fight. But if he's rangy, he's in, he's out, he's popping the jab. He's, sometimes he's got the triple jab, the quadruple jab, pop, pop, pop. And then he's out, he's gone, he's mixing a takedown. Uh, he should dominate this fight. I think he's going to wrestle a ton. I mean, I think he's going to come in and, and really yeah. try to put the wrestling on him early, uh, grapple early, and just not even worry about the, the hands of Rob Font and, and gets it done. I think he, I think he finds a finish on the ground. I, I agree. And Rob Font, he's another one with deceiving. I, I think it'll go the distance only because Rob Font's so tough. But short notice is a is a bitch. But the takedown defense of Rob Font is listed at 55%. That's deceiving. It's actually, it looks and feels much better than that. But I do think Corey will get his grappling going. I have Corey's record pulled up here. He's got four losses. He lost to Jamal Emmers in 2017. And now Jamal Emmers is a big, strong, heavy grappler. Then he worked his way into the UFC, got a bunch of wins together, lost to Aljamain Sterling in 2020, okay? Current champion. Then he lost to DJ Dillashaw in 2021. A lot of people think he won that fight. He lost to Piotr Jan in 2021. A lot of people think he won that fight as well. And then now he's beaten Song Yidong and Cheeto Vera back-to-back. So Corey Sanhagen, very, very good. We're both pretty confident in this guy. I agree with this line as well. I agree with this movement as well. $9,300 in DraftKings. I am going to have to look at how he scores. I know it's a five-round fight, but if he is going to get some takedowns and he is going to get that going, then he'll definitely be worth that money. You going to spend that 93 on him? I think so. I think so as well, especially I got the room. I got a couple of 7,000 kind of guys hanging around there. We want picks.com. Click become a member. It is only 10 dollars a month you're gonna get everything under the sun we got through this breakdown in record time absolute record time and we could use that time to talk about the 50 dollars i want to give you we want picks.com slash bets we have four different sportsbook betting partners click on any of those links any of those four links make your account make a deposit and i send you 50 bucks as a thank you you need to use the link because it's an affiliate link they're gonna pay us i'm gonna take off some of that money I'm going to give it right back to you. We want picks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. I'll send you that 50 bucks. You can take that 50 bucks and you can spend it on premium membership. Premium membership has more. Everybody just wants to copy paste bets and be done with it. But why don't you invest in some education? We also have courses on there as well. The first of which is a DraftKings beginner guide. So many people every single week. What is this? What is that? DraftKings, DraftKings. It's a ton of fun. It can really enhance your viewing experience, if you will. And we have a whole beginner's guide that walks you through all the terms, all the ins and the outs, what it is, how to do it, how much you should spend. And all that stuff is available to you as well as the line movement tracker. This week, three fighters have flipped from underdog to favorite. We'll see what happens with the short notice um, Sean Woodson fight. That may flip as well. We also have detailed data, metrics, and analytics. And more than just me and Jakey Boy, we got Artem. And then we have the Pick Doctor who's building out an AI to try to outpick all of us so that we don't have to work as hard. All of that is only $10 a month at wewantpicks.com. Just click become a member. Jakey Boy, any words for the people? Lock of the Week video is live. If you guys would uh, go watch that, I'd appreciate it. Leave a like on it.
Humble Jacob. Buttertoast says, oh, no, not this one. JG says, talk about bet openly. Come on, Jacob, let's make some bets. So bet openly. We partnered with them. I did a whole video breaking it down. Basically, it's not a sports book. It's peer-to-peer betting. I can bet you. You can bet me. And the way it works is you put your bet on there. You can customize your odds. And somebody grabs the other side. If I lose the bet, you literally take my money. If I win, I take your money. It's an awesome opportunity in situations where, uh, like Jacob's Lock of the Week, where people completely disagree, or I put my safety parlay up there. If you're a premium member, check out the premium alerts channel. I put my safety parlay up there. And parlays are awesome because if you're betting against the parlay, you don't need the opposite two fighters to win. You just need one of my fighters to lose. Sean Woodson's minus 180 now. Oh, shit. It went that direction. All right. Let it keep going. Would you bet the other? I'll bet that kid, Dennis, if he's plus decent money. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. Oh, yeah. That's right. You didn't do uh, your full deep dive just yet. But anyway, bet openly is awesome. Check out the video or go to wewantpicks.com slash bet openly. The video's there to walk you through all of it. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out, guys. And check out Jacob's video on Saturday. No call-in show on Thursday. I will be traveling for work. I will be in Atlanta. So no call-in show on Thursday. I might go live. I have cards to open. Might test a stream before the stream. I don't know yet. Well, there you go. Stay tuned just in case that happens. And if not, check out uh, the props and the bet videos Thursday. And then check out Jacob's live stream on Saturday. See ya.